Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all of your support. At MyPillow, we not only have pillows, but we have hundreds of products, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We're offering the best gifts ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have this exclusive offer on the standard size MyPillows, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with your promo code. We also have the queen size MyPillows, regularly $79.98, now only $24.98 with your promo code. And we have the king size, regularly $89.98, now only $29.98 with your promo code. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code RENEGADE or call 800-889-6817 to receive this exclusive offer. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Parade attack. Vehicular jihadist or career criminal. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carroll, a psychiatrist, and you are Terrorist Therapist. Yes, I'm sure you uh, probably heard about the uh, Wakat... Wakesha, Waukesha <laughs> parade attack <laughs> in Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin. This happened on November 21st on a Sunday when there was a Christmas parade happening, an annual Christmas parade, traditional parade, the theme of which for this year was comfort and joy, ironically enough, when all of a sudden a driver in an SUV, uh, a Ford, a red Ford Escape SUV, appropriately named an Escape SUV, uh, drove through the parade. And uh, it wasn't an accident. You know, he drove through the parade barriers, the police barriers, and he drove through the parade. And it, if you have not seen this, uh, I mean, I, it's a very horrendous sight. I, I You know, it's you might not want to see it, but um, in, to uh, understand this better, why this is so horrendous, you might want to look about look at it. Um, clearly, he was going, he was zigzagging and trying to hit as many people as possible. And in the end, or well, it's not really the end because there are still a lot of people in the hospital. But so far, uh, at the time of this uh, podcast recording, he has killed six people. And he has injured over 60 people in this Christmas parade. And the name of the man who did this is Daryl E. Brooks. Um, he has been arrested and charged with six counts of first-degree intentional homicide. And there will be other charges as well. Now, we don't really know a lot about him. Uh, I have gathered together... Um, as much as I could find about his personal life on the internet. Um, but 
but what we do know, what I have found out, is very interesting, and it's a very, a very strange story. Um, he was driving through the parade at 40 miles an hour. He um, he was described by witnesses as calm and composed, or as emotionless, which is very interesting because that is typical of terrorists, radical Islamist terrorists. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Let me backtrack a little bit. Um, trying to analyze whether this uh, this attacker, let's just call him for right now, um, this parade attacker, um, whether he is uh, has any connections to ISIS or Al-Qaeda or other uh, Islamic groups, uh, or the Taliban for that matter, whether he is um, a member of or inspired by Black Lives Matter, whether he um, and did ter- this terrorist act in the name of Black Lives Matter. I mean, certainly what he did, uh, the the carnage that he caused, could certainly in itself be called a terrorist act, although technically to be called a terrorist, you have to have some socio-political um, reason for it. Now, clearly, as you may well see by the end of this show, uh, it is it seems quite likely that he did have a socio-political motive for his crime. So, um, the people he who he killed in uh, ranged in age from eight to eighty-one. In particularly and particularly sad is the fact that he killed. Uh, three of the members of a group called the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies. These were um, elderly women. They were uh, composed solely of grandmothers, and they are often in the parade. They've been in the parade before. They they do this as their annual event. Um, now, Daryl Brooks has an extensive criminal record. It goes through decades. Um, and includes domestic violence, it includes sexual crimes, he's a sexual predator, Um, he has, uh, every time he has been arrested, he's um, tried to resist arrest, and um, it's just a a number, numerous crimes, a list of crimes. Now, the very sad thing, well, so much of this is sad, but um, one of the saddest things is that he was let out on bail two days before he attacked the parade. Two days. And this has a lot to say, and I'll get to this at the end, um, about the bail reform laws or, or people who are in favor of bail reform, including um, the DA in Milwaukee, who was the one primarily responsible for the um, low bail that uh, this criminal and many others were given. So his his latest crime was that he um, had domestic a domestic violence dispute attack um, uh, on his girlfriend, the, um, and he um, part of which included his running her over. You see the pattern here running her over with his car, the same car that he attacked the parade with. And he was only, um, he was given a $1,000 bail only 
for that kind, that crime. And with his whole decades-long history of crime, I mean, it's not just for that crime, but you're supposed to look at the whole history. And to have him get a $1,000 bail, that was ridiculous. Um, now he's on $5 million bail, but, you know, I'm just waiting. It is not beyond the possibility that someone, someone who believes in bail reform, someone who believes in what they think his polit- socio-political motives were, might well um, put up the $5 million bail. I, I, I will, would not be surprised. But in any case, at this moment, he is in jail. Um, so his mother, as it turns out, was the one who put up the $1,000 bail. And was very upset, of course, you know, feels terrible now, um, what he did two days later. In fact, she was the one, she saw this on television, uh, the attack on the parade, and she recognized her son's car. And she called 911 and she said that that was her son. Um, so, okay, so that's the general gist of what uh, what happened. Um, let me also tell you that um, he not only did he commit um, countless crimes in um, Wisconsin, but he's also he also committed crimes in Nevada and Georgia, and he actually had open warrants for his arrest at the time that he uh, struck the parade. Um, when I watched some of his um, his uh, the live stream of his being in court, you know, when they read the counts that he was charged with and they read, the prosecutor read um, a description, sort of an overall description of other crimes that he had committed. A long list. I mean, it took forever for her to read this crime. And that's when the judge decided that he would give him a $5 million bail. Now, he was crying in court. You know, he had his head in his hands, and the, this woman who was sitting next to him, who I presume is one of his attorneys, there was a woman and a man sitting next to him, and the man spoke in his defense when the judge, after the prosecutor. So presumably this woman is also an attorney, but it made me nauseous to see her arm around him, um, you know, when he was crying. There, there. <laughs> he just killed all these people. But, um, you know, they're there. It was really awful. Yes, I know <laughs> defense people are supposed to, um, are supposed to, uh, represent their defendant and so on, but, but the arms around the, uh, array was just, just too much. So, as I said, he's being charged with six, uh, counts of first degree intentional homicide for what he did on, on Sunday, November 21st. Um, you know, attacking the parade. It was actually, originally it was five counts, and then someone else died, and that made it six counts. Um, so let me tell you a, a bit about his personal life, um, which is very interesting. Um, I mentioned about his mother calling 911. He had, uh, you know, you could see in, his, in court, you could see his tattoos on his arms. And um, he had a tattoo of his mother's name, which is Dawn. His mother is named Dawn Woods. And uh, he had this huge tattoo of the word Dawn. 
which is really kind of interesting because obviously someone who <laughs> has a wonderful relationship with their mother does not turn out like Daryl Brooks with a rap sheet as long as one's arm, including sexual crimes and uh, domestic violence crimes. I mean, in other words, if a man has a wonderful relationship with their mother, they don't attack women. So it's a very, um, obviously it's a very ambivalent relationship. You know, on the one hand, perhaps he has warm feelings for her, especially when she bail pays $1,000 to bail him out. But on the other hand, there are clearly problems, and nothing has been said yet about his father. Who knows what, what the story yet about what what the story is with his father? He has been absent, as is typical. Um, so we, there's, there's interesting quotes from um, Daryl Daryl Brooks's neighbor uh, neighbors. They have said that he was quote always a little off. And he lived with his mother. Another one said, quote, he must have snapped. The whole thing is messed up, but it doesn't surprise me, unquote. So, you know, there is that, too. Um, again, as I always say, uh, mental illness does not preclude being a terrorist or a racist um, or any other ist. Uh, it just, in fact, makes one makes one more vulnerable to these kinds of of things because of the psychological problems. So um, before I, I'm going to tell you a little more about his mother, but in the meantime, the interesting stuff about the man, after the attack, he drove to this neighborhood, which I believe was near where he actually lived, near his own house, and, um, and um, he went to a, a man's house, a man named da Daniel Ryder, a good Samaritan, and he let Brooks into his home. He made him a sandwich, and he let him use his phone to call an Uber. That's what Brooks told him, that he wanted to call an Uber. He told him that he was homeless, and I can, can I please come in and call an Uber? Um, and then it turned out that he called, that Brooks called his mother. <laughs> you know, when he gets into trouble, he calls mommy. Um, so so Daniel Ryder, the Good Samaritan, said, quote, a lot of it I didn't understand very well, but sometimes he was yelling. After about five to, to eight minutes, I saw police drive by and started getting nervous and told him he had to leave. He said that Brooks was polite the whole time. He told him, Brooks told him, Quote, thank you for showing me so much love here, man. Appreciate you warming me up. Now, that doesn't sound psychotic. It is certainly possible he was on drugs at the time. Actually, they mentioned in court uh, that he, some of his crimes had to do with possession of drugs. Um, but he was, you know, that was rational, what he just said, sort of. <laughs> um, then after he left the home, this neighbor, this uh, Good Samaritan's home, he became aggressive <laughs> and he returned and he started pounding on the neighbor, this man's Good Samaritan's door, demanding to be let back in because he said he forgot his ID. Who knows if he really forgot his ID he just, or he just wanted to get back in uh, because he saw the cops coming. Because moments later, the cops closed in on him and arrested him. But he gave, gave them a fight, you know, as typical resisting arrest again. Now, another interesting story, and I know this, this, um, this podcast is going to be... 
maybe uh, probably more like it'll be a little long, but there's some good stuff to uh, to uh, hear because I, what I find most interesting as a psychiatrist, of course, is what motivated him and what people knew about him. And it's not that much. It's just what they know is kind of interesting. So a girlfriend of his named Marsha Winters, an ex-girlfriend, actually she's been described as a friend and an occasional girlfriend of Daryl Brooks. Um, they met on a social media site called Moco Space or Mako Space. She knew him by his rapper stage name, which is Mass Boy Fly. And uh, they, she said they used to call him just Fly. She said when, when she saw the news, she and her family saw the news, they couldn't believe it. Quote, my sister and mom were like, that's Fly. And she said, I'm just in shock. I thought I knew him. Um, she is 29 years old. Um, and uh, she said, um, she said that he called her from jail over the summer, asking if he could stay at her family's Milwaukee house when he got out. And but his time, the time that he, he spent crashing in her family's basement, only lasted a day or two in August, because um, his mother, her mother, sorry, her mother, told her to make him leave. Uh, she said, he's like, I understand, but I got to find some place to stay. So it's interesting that he lived with his mother, except when his mother threw him out, apparently. So um, this girlfriend said she tried to help connect him to shelters and other resources, but she lost touch with him when he left. And then a few weeks ago, he reconnected with her because he was trying. He told her he wanted to get back some of his belongings that he'd left in the basement. But it turned out that the basement had flooded since he was there, and that ruined his things, and then she hasn't heard from him since. Um, she talks about how her mother didn't like him from the get-go, and how her mother was very good at, at uh, sizing up people. Um, she said, my mother used to blow up my phone when I was with him. She used to tell her, get home right away, or she wouldn't be let back in. Her mother used to tell her that. Um but, and oh, she talked about how Brooks kept a low profile around her and hid things around her. When she w visited the house he shared with his mother, he used to hide the mail when it arrived. And she never met his mother, and he never seemed to work, and he wouldn't explain how he could afford things such as the Ford SUV that he drove into the parade. Well, I will stop at this point uh, and go to the next segment. In this next segment... Um, I will tell you more about his mother and um, his his uh, what happened when she saw the, his red SUV driving into the parade. So stay tuned. You've been listening to the Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terror Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Welcome back to the Terrorist Starfish Show where we're talking today about parade attack, vehicular jihadist or career criminal. And again, those two don't necessarily have to be, uh, have to be mutually exclusive. Okay, I was talking about the, um, as much personal details 
as I could find about the man, Daryl Brooks, who attacked a, par- a Christmas parade in Wisconsin. You know, it was a normal Norman Rockwell setting. Beautiful, you know, such a, 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 a an Americana, you know, um, such a town, a relatively small town. It's a suburb of, of Milwaukee. Um, and, and everyone was there, you know, celebrating Christmas. They weren't able to celebrate it last year. They weren't able to have the parade because of COVID. So they were so happy. And right into this beautiful, happy scene comes this SUV crashing through the parade. All right. So his mother, um, as I mentioned, he had on his arm a tattoo. He had lots of tattoos. But one of the tattoos uh, was his mother's name, first name, Dawn. Now, you know, one would think, oh, well, he must love his mother. In fact, that, that's some of the headlines. Um, you know, the love that he has for his mother. As I was saying, no, that is not true. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he loves her when she bails him out. But anyway, so the question is, um, does he, did he, did he do that really out of love, um, at the time or was it, a way to manipulate her to get her, get her to allow him to stay with him with her more, because apparently a lot of the time he is homeless and he keeps uh, he has to keep um, you know asking people to stay with them. I just talked about one of the, his ex girlfriends that he has to stay with. So the mother is um, not has not yet come out herself to speak. Um, but they, she's been speaking through, primarily speaking through a family spokesperson. And this, one of the family spokespeople said she, uh, that the mother said she talked to him before he went to Waukesha and doesn't know why he did this. She's traumatized and hurt. So his mother regrets posting the thousand dollar bail, as I mentioned. Um, and this, the thousand dollar bail was for his having punched and attempted to run over his ex-girlfriend at a Milwaukee gas station just a few weeks before the parade attack. Uh, the mother, well, she has actually been talking, but not. I don't think she's been uh, letting her picture be seen yet. Um, but anyway, she, she told the newspaper, the Post, um, or, well, wait a minute. This might be the family spokesperson. It's not really clear. But anyway, she's wrecked that people were killed as a result. And she's like, I'm blaming myself because had I not bailed him out, this wouldn't have happened. Well, that's true. But it's really kind of sad that she has to blame herself because it's really the fault of the um, low bail system, the progressive low bail system. His criminal history in Wisconsin spans over 20 years, and it includes around 15 arrests since 1999 in Wisconsin alone. He's also a convicted sex offender. Offender. I mean, there, he um, he's an equal opportunity um, criminal. Um, let's see. In 2006, for example, when he was 24, he was convicted of impregnating a girl who was 15. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's so sad that, uh, I mean, he, he ran her over, which was a forerunner, literally, of what he did with the parade. Um, his, 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 um, 
social media posts are very uh, informative. Uh, for example, oh, and his rapping, yes, he's, he's a wannabe rapper. And I watched some of his uh, songs. I mean, a lot of it was taken down. But uh, I watched, um, you can find, you can still find some of his rap music on the Internet. Um, he rapped about being a terrorist, quote, unquote, a terrorist, and, quote, a killer in the city. So, you know, does he mean a radical Islamist or an ISIS member or a an Al-Qaeda member? He didn't specify. <laughs> uh, but he said, uh, yay, we terrorists and killers in the city. This is in his song Loudmouth. Um, he, he had things, you know, his, his lyrics included, um, uh, hope you write with God. Cost casket with you headed for. You know, some of the, you know, these are really foreboding um, things that obviously nobody paid very much attention to. Then he, in one of his songs, it had the lyrics, quote, they're going to need a cleaner for the S dot 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 we did. All my killers, Gacy, where them bodies hid. Um. Then he, he uh, another song, Sliding Through the City with No Safety On. That's another foreboding, another uh, warning. He raps about AK-47s. Um, he has a song, Gonna Kill You. Uh, so, so let me tell you about some more lovely social media um, posts. Um, he had lots of posts had to do, and they took down a lot, the majority of his posts, but a lot of them call for violence against white people. Uh, also, they suggest Hitler was right for killing Jews. Um, he, he had lots of posts attacking cops. He compared cops to the Ku Klux Klan. He called them violent street gangs. He called uh, again for violence towards white people. Lots of lots of posts about that. Um, when the George Floyd, when there was the violent uh, protests, violent upheaval over the George Floyd murder, um, he did a post on June 9th, 2020, under his name Math Boy Fly. Um, learned and taught behavior. So when we start back knocking white people TF out, I want to hear it. The old white people, too. Knock them TF out, period. Then a picture of a middle finger raised and a picture of, an, you know, the angry emoji where there's a mask over his mouth with, um, with signs meaning that the, the emoji is uh, using curse words. Um, then he had uh, Black Lives Matter, things that supported Black Lives Matter. Okay. So now um, we're, we're looking about at the motive here. Where um, there are a lot of things that... Um, well, some some people are saying, and some some of actually there are some posts that um, seem to imply that this was revenge for the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. 
it's not definite that that was what he was about, but they, he did post this thing. Someone wrote, uh, someone, a, a commentator, um, oh, yes, okay. Um, he made a post that, that had, was the, about the verdict of the, the written, written house verdict. And then a commentator responded, um, doesn't surprise me. What a joke. And then Brooks replied, uh, but you write, I wasn't surprised one bit. So, you know, that implies some degree of, of his anger about that, if not that this was literally or um, primarily revenge for the Rittenhouse verdict. Um, he's, he posted things uh, on Facebook. He posted White Privilege 101, Racial Profiling. Uh, this is in regard to um, the Black to George Floyd. Then he claimed that police officers respond differently to whites and blacks simply standing be- beside a car. And he wrote, run them over, keep traffic flowing, and don't slow down for any of these idiots. Now, the, the official word is that, is quote, this was not a terrorist event. But, um, he deliberately drove into the crowd at the parade, uh, because he was perceived as some injustices. Now, whether it's the Rittenhouse verdict or race, you know, being angry at white people or whatever. So how exactly is that not a terrorist event? Unless, you know, the person was just talk saying not a terrorist event, um, the official saying this was not a terrorist event, meaning not ISIS or Al-Qaeda. Um, now, there's also some other interesting, there's another interesting tidbit that does kind of uh, relate some to, uh, you know, uh, to terrorism in some, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just telling you what I found here. I'm not sure about this part. I am sure about everything I was saying before, but I'm not sure how far this next part goes in explaining, in explaining things. But there are reports, I will put it that way, there are reports that he was involved with the Nation of Islam and that there was, um, race hatred generated from that. And in particular, he was reportedly a member of the Five Percenters, which is a hardline offshoot of the Nation of Islam. Now, um, and um, there is speculation that this connection might have given him the idea to to commit murder with his car as vehicular jihad, because, of course, that is a typical terrorist tactic. So the 5% nation is described as, uh, or the 5%ers, it's called both, it's a black nationalist movement influenced by Islam, which was founded in 1964 in Harlem by Allah the Father, who, that's a name that he took for himself. Um, this was a man named Clarence Edward Smith. And he then called himself uh, Clarence 13X, and then Allah the Father. So, um, so I'm just uh, I'm just putting this out there. You know, I, that's a little bit um, extreme. 
but not, but certainly possible. And in any case, it is not extreme to say that he was um, that he was either a member of, or at least a support, or inspired by the Black Lives Matter um, group. All right, stay tuned. Uh, when we come back, I will get into that a little bit more, and also talk about bail reform, criminal justice reform, which includes bail reform, and just how dangerous that is. So stay tuned. You've been listening to the Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking about the parade attack, vehicular jihadist or career criminal. And again, these things are not mutually exclusive. We know for sure he is a career criminal, but was the attack that uh, Daryl Brooks made on the Waukesha Parade in Wisconsin um, just another criminal, you know, episode, escapade uh, in his long line of criminal escapades, or did it have a socio-political point that he was trying to make? And I do think that it did. Uh, I'm not saying that he was necessarily, and that certainly ISIS or Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, none of them have claimed responsibility for um, the attack, or none of them have said that he is a member of their um, terrorist organization. Uh, For that matter, Black Lives Matter hasn't claimed that he's a a member of their organization either, but um, by by the um, posts that he's made on social media, uh, that certainly that certainly would go along with that idea. You know, I can't say that he, at this point, we don't really know enough about him at this point, so I can't say that he is a card-carrying Black Lives Matter member. (laughs) Do they have cards (laughs) that they carry? (laughs) I don't know. T-shirts. But so I don't know that he's a card-carrying Black Lives Matter member. But he certainly has expressed his support of Black Lives Matter, um, um, you know, uh, what, how they think or what they think, such as uh, in regard to George Floyd and so on. And and in regard to wanting to, um, I mean, saying in his songs, in his, in his rap music, um, in, as well as in his written posts, about killing white people. Um, I mean, now I know there are some of you who are going to think, well, what makes you think, why do you say Black Lives Matter want to kill white people? Um, I know I'm on the edge here, but but the the fact is that these so-called peaceful protests of Black Lives Matter most often devolve into violence. So I don't know that that's in the uh, Constitution, the Black Lives Matter Constitution, to kill, that it says anywhere, literally, to kill white people. But certainly in the violence that happens um, after the after these peace, peaceful protests, that has, is what's been happening, whether it's police 
or whether it's just uh, people who own stores or people in the street, that is what is happening. All right, so let me um, let me uh, now. Black Lives Matter. Now I'm looking. I'm reading from um, an article on Front Page Magazine. Uh, and the, the headline is BLM activist on Christmas Parade Massacre. Quote, the revolution has started in Wisconsin. It started with this Christmas parade. And um, it, it says, Black Lives Matter is a racist black nationalist group which openly draws its inspiration from black nationalist terrorists. That's why Black Lives Matter leaders, despite media spin, absolutely failed to condemn BLM riots and violence. And um, the the leader um, has a, the leader colors, you know, described rioters as, has described rioters as quote expressing righteous rage. And she has said society needs to avo- society needs to avoid situations where quote people feel like they have to be so desperate that they disrupt people's businesses. So in other words, it's society's fault. It's capitalism's fault, uh, not the people who are rioting. This um, she is Patricia Cullors is also the author of When They Call You a Black Lives Matter Memoir. When they call, I'm sorry, when they call you a terrorist. A Black Lives Matter memoir, and uh, it has an introduction by Angela Davis, who is a domestic terrorist. Um, and then it has an opening quote from Asada Shakur, a black nationalist cop killer, listed by the FBI as a most wanted terrorist, and so on. So um, there was a Black Lives Matter activist uh, named Vaughn Mays and he happened to be at the parade and he told the media he did an interview and he said the Christmas parade attack in Waukesha, Wisconsin appears to signal the revolution may have begun. He said quote, I don't know. Now we'll have to wait and see because they do have somebody in custody. We may have to wait and see what they say about why this happened. Uh, he was, oh, he was also, he was streaming on Facebook Live. But it sounds possible that the revolution has started in Wisconsin. It started with this Christmas parade. So, you know, even the, even a Black Lives Matter activist is thinking that this attack was the revolution, the beginning of the revolution, the Black Lives Matter revolution. So, of course, since then, he has since um, he has walked it back a little bit because, um, you know, as as no information has, um, you know, he's saying it could be related to the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict and so on. Um, but now he's getting a little nervous <laughs> because nothing has come forward so far to definitively back that up. So he's kind of been um, um, stepping back a little bit, but um, walking it back a little bit. But then he said, 
So, so that's, so, you know, right now, um, we don't know enough to make further, further, uh, further statements. One thing, things we do know enough to be able to say for sure, um, are how this is a horrible example and it should be a very, uh, it should be a warning about the criminal justice reforms because, um, you know, and, and all of this, this, this horrible, horrendous attack is not in the media so much. You know, it was, as I said, it was at the very beginning, you know, because this was just so horrible and because there was a question, was this ISIS or Al Qaeda or whatever. But now that it doesn't seem like it is, um, you know, a, one of those terrorist organizations and it seems more like it's a statement on Black Lives Matter, and on the criminal justice reform ideas, now all of a sudden it's not really in the media as much. So, um, um, also, by the way, all of the six people who died were white. Now, it's hard to say, though, that that means, I mean, it's hard to use that as a further, further uh, um, support that this is all about killing whites, even though that's what he rapped about and wrote on his post. But um, uh, Waukesha is primarily white. So I guess, you know, uh, and he sort of just went down the parade route. So the likelihood was that he would be hitting and killing white people. Um, so now um, this was... This this idea of social justice and criminal justice reform was actually given a name called the Milwaukee Experiment uh, in an article in the New Yorker in 2015 praising Milwaukee's DA John Chrisom, and he is the one of the, the leading light he's been called of the progressive prosecutor movement, and he's the one who let Brooks out. Uh, on a thousand dollars bail on November 16th after he uh, ran his girlfriend over with an SUV, same SUV, uh, criminal record of 50 pages and so on. Now this guy, this DA is saying, I mean, he, he kind of has been giving different interviews. You know, on the one hand, he feigns dismay, but on the other hand, he has said in the past, in 2007, he told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? You bet. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. Well, I'm not sure he was, uh, he foresaw such a, uh, tragedy as what happened at the Christmas parade, but there are several interviews of him in which he is, you know, proud, still proud and still going along with, um, with uh, the idea that there should be bail reform and that criminals should be, you know, let out. And um, the, you know, it's, um, it's really, it's really gotten to, you know, it's really, uh, it's really dangerous. I mean, I don't have to tell you, it's really dangerous. The more people who, uh, the more, and, and this is happening all over, New York is a good example of what has happened when uh, no bail or low bail has been instituted. And of course, the, the rationale behind this, I mean, the reason the people who are behind this 
are progressives, are primarily Democrats, are uh, progressive Democrats. Not all Democrats are progressive, and so it's not, it's the progressive Democrats who are ruining the Democratic Party. But in any case, um, you know, a lot of this has to do with claiming that it's racial injustice because to ask for bail, you know, because because more often it is black people who are going to jail and who don't have money for bail. And so therefore, this is a racist plan to ask for bail. Well, it really wasn't meant as a and still isn't meant as a racist plan. It's meant to keep people who commit crimes in jail. And to make sure for until their trial and to make sure they show up for their trial, which so many of these people, including uh, Daryl Brooks, needs to have because he has amongst his many um, crimes uh, are several occasions when he just didn't show up for court. He, He either had no bail or a low bail and paid it or got somebody to pay it and he skipped town or skipped out on the court hearing in any case. I mean, some, some of these he skipped out on were in Nevada. And um, where did I say the other, um, I forgot what the, where the other one was. But, um, wait a minute, Nevada and Georgia. So he was able to skip out on those because he was going back to Milwaukee. Um, so the point of bail is to make sure that the person is there for the trial and that the person is, is goes on trial and he is given the right sentence for his crime, or he's acquitted. And um, But in any case, it is determined not to have the person just make their own determination by, by skipping out on bail and just never coming back. So um, criminal justice, you know, between, between the, the so-called criminal justice reform and defunding the police, what do you have when you... When you empty out the jails of criminals and you defund the police, you have lawlessness. You have lawlessness. And you're going to have more parades where people drive down the route and kill them or even lesser crimes. Um, Anybody, any person who is killed or injured is one person too many. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nets for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carroll, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.